episode 192 Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, as always, joined by Philip Slavin. Philip, happy Kate Cunningham week. I mean, I don't want to be those guys, but hey, guess what? It's basketball season. Uh, it's here. We are recording this on Monday night. We are going to see Cade Cunningham for the first time on Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock, and you can bet that from 3 to 5, my work productivity level will drop to zero. I, I thankfully am, uh, I don't have to work on Wednesday. Uh, my wife and I are driving up to see my folks up in Kansas City, so I'm making sure that we leave early on Wednesday morning so that we can get to my parents' house and that I can sit down and watch the game with my, with my son at 3 o'clock. Nice. Good plan. Good plan. I like it. I like where your head's at. It's where it needs to be. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as much as I am excited about Oklahoma State football, kind of, uh, on Saturday against Texas Tech, I'm more excited for the game at 6 o'clock with getting to see Kate Cunningham play again at home against Texas Southern. This is where we are at at this point. This is what Bedlam did to us, if you can't tell. But here, and here's the thing, folks. I know you guys want to hear a, you guys don't want to hear a Bedlam recap. Uh, you guys all hated our preview. Uh, but we were right. Congratulations. I, I, I think we, we were a little bit right, you know, in our, our sadness there uh, in that preview. Uh, for those that are optimists, I, uh, you know, I envy your optimism, but uh, also you guys are the ones that had hope. Uh, so you did that to yourselves. Anyways, we're not going to, we're not going to recap that shit show. We'll talk about a couple things here in the conversation we are going to have, but this is a, we'll call it a state of the program at least like a prerequisite to the conversation we're going to have probably this off season. Which is usually reserved for, yeah, off seasons, uh, idle weeks, periods where you don't have a game to preview. We might talk a little bit of Texas Tech in this one. We're not going to have an official Texas Tech preview because we're going to do one episode a week and it's a holiday on Thursday. This this is 100% good. This is going to be a meaty episode. Uh, Not sure how much Tech preview. Meaty goodness. But – we will have a little bit of state of the program. We'll preview a little basketball probably toward the back end. But uh, we're going to have some, some interesting conversations here uh, as this one unfolds. I have no idea how long this is going to be. We'll find out together. Uh, for my sanity, because my uh, daughter is in her four-month sleep regression period, and I spent uh, at least two to three hours a night sleeping in the chair holding her to make sure that my wife can get some sleep, this can't go on forever. I, I understand. I'm with you. My, my son is, has hit his eight-week regression as well, so uh, I, I feel you to, to a certain extent there, that's for sure. So, you know what, Joel? Uh, as, as the lead man on this whole shindig, uh, I will give you the floor. Let you, where, where would you like to, to kick things off? I'll kick it off with my frustrations regarding comments made after the game by Mike Gundy. And it is more to do with him, whether he wants to admit it or not, basically saying he and the staff completely failed their players. They did. He, there were three quotes and I I was trying to figure out how I could be rational in this discussion because just Hellfire and brimstone right now, as fun as that may be for some listeners, is completely unproductive. But there were three quotes from the press conference today that really just made made me really mad because Oklahoma State got throttled on Saturday. We know that. But Mm -hmm. it's the way that Mike Gundy tried to explain it, trying to 
explain it in a way that maybe it would go over some people's heads. Quote, I didn't like our concept on Saturday night. Okay, Bert, you got out schemed. We all saw that. No kidding. <laughs> you went up against Lincoln Riley, one of the greatest play, one of the, the best play designer in all of college football. He was going to get his. Okay, whatever. Uh, I thought we could have done a better job of coaching. You had two weeks. You had a idle week and all of the week before to get your team ready for the biggest game of the season against your rival, which going into Saturday, you have won twice in your 16 years of coaching this team. And you say, we could have done a better job of coaching. Are you freaking kidding me? That is an embarrassment. You failed your players in your 16th Bedlam game. For a new coach that may be new to the rivalry or your first year, I can give a pass, kind of. This is your 16th Bedlam game, and you, we are still seeing the same problems in Bedlam that we have seen in the past. Outside of 2017 and 2018 in losses, Oklahoma State has looked unprepared. This was just another notch in, in it. Like, how, how can you be, how can you say you could have done a better job of coaching when we've seen this time and time and time and time again? You would think we would not have to go to the definition of insanity as fans or as people that cover the team again, but we have to do it again. I don't think we had the plans we needed to give our players the best chance. Again, just reiterating that you failed your players. You hung your players out to dry in the biggest game of the season. And they're the ones that are t- that took the brunt of it on the field on Saturday. That is just embarrassing. I have no other – I could go into some other words, but I don't feel like making this thing NSFW. That's just embarrassing. So there are people on message boards and other Oklahoma State podcasts who have made the claim for a while that Mike Gundy coaches scared in, in Bedlam. I don't like the word scared. Scared implies showing up and trembling. I hope, I, hope, I hope we can just get a W today. I hope we just look good. I don't like the word scared. Scared, I think, is the wrong word. Coaches not to lose, I think, is a better That is the perfect term. word for it. Better phrase for it. Now, full credit to Gundy. I think he, he has to be aware of whatever he says. There's no way he's not. I don't yeah. buy that for one second. He could say he's not. He can say he's not on social media. His kids are. I promise they tell him things. His players are. His other coaches. Uh, he's aware. And for the last few years, he has done a better job. Really since that 2013 game where they were the more talented team than Oklahoma. And Bob came in and just literally dumped out the whole bag of tricks and Oklahoma got the win. I think they have done a better job. 2016, 2017, 2018. Last year, you, you know, last year, <laughs> last year was last beat up year. offensive line. Yeah. Last year, they did the best they could with what they had in front of them, right? That's fair. I understand your offensive line got beat up in the game. It wasn't at the get-go. I understand that Spencer got concussed in the game. It wasn't from the get-go. This felt like the 2013 game again. This felt like a team that thought that they were good and could go in and just play their game and win, and they didn't. Because, A, 
That Oklahoma team in 2013 was not good. They were not superior. This one is now. This was the better team. And they went in to try and play like, this was a good team. We're just going to stick to our guns. We're going to stick to our game plan. OU came in with a game, spent two weeks planning a game plan to attack this Oklahoma State defense and offense. It looked like Oklahoma State said, what we've been doing has been working. Let's just go and do that. We won't pay it. We won't really look at what Oklahoma is going to do. We won't. They looked like they just came out to do the same thing they always did and thought that that would work. And not just the coaches. The players looked unmotivated early on. Now, look, mm-hmm. full credit to Oklahoma. Like, they came out on fire. They were, as Lincoln Riley said, the hunter, not the hunted. And Oklahoma State came out, and the players looked. I don't think this is just about coaching. I don't think this is just about what the decisions were on the field or what the decisions were in the meeting rooms. The way the players came out, I think the coaches failed them in actually mentally preparing them for this game. Attitude which is the ref- stupidest thing you could possibly do in Bedlam. Attitude, not, ref- attitude reflects leadership. How can you not have them ready to go in this game? How can they be that just emotionally off? And then I, I don't think yeah. I have a theory that Gundy has tried different things, getting his players, getting his teams amped for Bedlam, excited for Bedlam, like less used to do trying to keep the team even keel and just, we're just going to treat it like any other game. I think he's done that. I think he's reached the point after 16 seasons that because he's lost so many times, I just kind of wonder if Gundy just doesn't know how best to prepare his team for an opponent that he can't beat because nothing works. And look, we can, I know the record and there are plenty of examples of Oklahoma being the better team. There's also plenty of examples of literally the ball always seems to bounce Oklahoma's way. I think back to the, the Bedlam game for Mike Gundy as a player, 84 Heisman season. He's got the pass. It's into the oh, end zone. The receiver drops Brent it, Parker right? dropping the ball in the end zone. My dad right. still talks about that. That doesn't happen to Oklahoma. That happens to OSU. Mm-hmm. OSU players drop the ball. OSU players have calls that go against them and not against Oklahoma. This game, I'm not saying it's rigged. I'm just saying, like, that is the history of this game. And if someone wants to argue with me, that's fine. You go ahead and show me all the ways that Oklahoma's been jobbed in this game, and, and I will sit back and laugh at you. The point is, this, is, this game has, goes Oklahoma's way. The ball bounces their way more often than not. And then you And have... not coaching with that in mind, not coaching to say the, the way to beat Oklahoma, if that's what's going to happen, then we have to play perfectly. We have to play the best that we can do. We have to... We have to come out and be the best team and play like we are an underdog every time is the dumbest, dumbest mindset. Like every fan would tell you the same exact thing. And to not see that executed on the field year in and year out with the exception of a few seasons, I just, I don't, I, I think Gundy is too close to Bedlam, if that makes sense. I think he is too personally close, has had too many losses I think that, I think that is a kind of a, it's like having a a bias, a positive bias towards something that is toxic to you. I think that is kind of Gundy's relationship with Bedlam at this point. I think he's been too close to it for too long, and I think at this point, Lincoln Riley is a far superior coach to him. Sorry, they have better talent, they have better depth. This game is played at the end of the year. I don't think Gundy will win another Bedlam unless something super fluky happens. Yeah, and. And then you can look into the game and 
your starting quarterback gets thrown to the ground on his shoulder by Ronnie Perkins. Probably could have been a penalty. It wasn't. Gundy sits there and lets it happen. Trace four, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Brock Martin. Taps Spencer Rattler after a pass. It was a little late, but it wasn't an egregious. It wasn't like he, he drove him to the ground or a huge hit. Roughing the passer penalty. Mike Gundy sat there and took it. And they even talked about it. Kirk Herbstreit brought it up on the podcast, like, Gundy's just sitting there taking it. Like, fight for your team a little bit. It's not like Oklahoma State was getting job. I'm not trying to say that. But show a little bit of fight for your team. And then you're down 21. And this is where I, I turned the game off when this happened because I can't believe that they actually got to this point. You bring Spencer back into the game. They're driving. They're in plus territory. <laughs> you drive stalls. You, it's fourth down. You're on the 39-yard line. On OU's 39. It's fourth and 10, whatever. You're down 21 in the fourth quarter with like 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's not like I'm expecting Oklahoma State to mount a crazy comeback. Mike Gundy decides to punt. He punts the ball away and says it was a game flow decision. No, what that was was him waving the white flag and giving up on the game and on his team. Yep. yep. If that doesn't piss you off, no matter where you are, however you feel about Mike Gundy, whether you want him fired or you just want him want a head coach, I don't care. That is mind-boggling and infuriating. It's and then when the game is completely out of hand, it's 41-13, and you go for it on your own side of the 50 on fourth and 13. It's and at that point, it's too little too late. It, it's yes. just, we've talked about this on the show. Like once you cross a certain point, there's no punting. You can't punt. And in that situation, don't tell me. The only, I, I can't decide if the decision to punt or the explanation for the punt is more egregious. Um, I the think the, deci- the decision to is, because congratulations, Tom Hutton, had, Tom Hutton had a great punt, pinned him on the one. Fantastic. Ramondre Stevenson got all of that yardage back on the next play. First play. Yep. That's why you don't punt. That's why you don't punt in plus territory. Well, it's because your defense is gassed. Like your defense was gassed That's at it. that point. They That's had it. they had given you two straight look, got down twenty one nothing, game was over at that point. But they gave you everything they had for the next two quarters. So you were only down two touchdowns at, at halftime. Like you weren't out of the game. You weren't gonna win the game, but you could have still had, you know what, I don't care. I don't the care team, if we're going to lose this game. We're going to go out in a we're going to go out in a blaze of glory. If we just go out firing and get just riddled in some the end of some action movie where the so sidekick hero goes in there and is like I don't care and just gets riddled with bullets and dies, but it was a blaze of glory. Fine, okay. If it's the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, then it's the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I am perfectly fine with that. But you decided, yeah, we're just going to try and sneak out the back door. Oh, we got shot anyways. I mean, that, that's, that's what it was. Like, I don't, you, it was such a, that's just, it just, it's, it's one thing to coach conservative. It's one thing to coach not to lose. It's another thing to coach like you've given up. I don't know that I can recall, like I get there's been puns and there's decisions people, fans don't like. He's too conservative here and there conservative we can battle up back and forth about that crap all day 
I can't recall times that Gundy has made a decision that felt like he gave up. And that's what that felt like. That's what that felt. He just waved the white flag with a quarter to go and said, now we're good. Well, we're going to, we're going to pretend like we care once the game is so far out of reach that it doesn't matter. Like it does. It didn't matter at that point once it's 41, 13, but at this point to just to give up like that, man, I, I, I worry that play right there makes me worried about the rest of the season. Oh, God. Absolutely. Like, that's like, how bad that decision was. Does he – did he just – okay, we're just going to get – I understand you're going to lose. Did you see what – like, Indiana, Ohio State, Indiana got down. It looked like Ohio State was going to blow them out. And Indiana ended that game with a shot to tie it or win it. Like, that is – I don't want to that's, say young. That's coach, having a coach, but I'm going to say a point of, of a coach that hasn't been doing this for so long, that he's just, okay, we're just going to take the L and go home. Of where he, I am still fiery. I still have passion. I still care about this. Like, look, Bill Hasten wrote the article. They asked him about, are you feeling burnt out? No, I don't feel burnt out. I'm not any good at Gundy. I'm not any good at farming. You know, I lose money at farm. This is the only thing I'm good at. There's things that I'm good at, but I don't have passion for anymore. It's one thing to say it's the only thing you're good at. I don't think you have the passion for it anymore. It, if you're going to make decisions like that in Bethlehem. It, I, I have, there, people have been on the fire Gundy train the entire time I was in college. And I'm sure that there, even before that, 2014, there was kind of that conversation too. I heard it in 15, heard it in 16, 17, 18, 19. You know, oh, it was strong in 14. It was really strong in 14. I remember that even because I was, it was, I decided to go to Oklahoma State that year. I remember reading all of that stuff and I've been at Oklahoma State my entire life. But people were on it in 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, whatever. We, we've seen it every year. And I've never hopped on that train. I've never been, I've never been on that because I think it's irrational. I always thought it was irrational. People, you know, people want to look at one loss because we're in the same state as one of the greatest programs in college football. Like, I think there is some unfair expectation of Oklahoma State because of that school 90 miles southwest. And I think Oklahoma State fans need to be better about tempering their expectations for that reason alone. This year is different. This was a really good team that had high expectations and very well could have won the conference, but they're not going to. But this is the year and this was the game, and I, it boils back to the punt decision where I, I'm beginning to feel that I'm not on the fire Gundy because he's not going to get fired. You think about everything he's done for this program in his 16 years. He's turned Oklahoma State into a top 30, top 25 program in the country consistently. Like you don't get fired for that, especially when you've been at the program as long as you have been and everything you've done for them during your time. If he wasn't an Oklahoma State alum, I think there's a decent chance, but he's been with the program for what, 30 years, something like that. What between as a player, an assistant, and a head coach, something like, I think it's thirty years. This is I think this is your thirty. But I, I digress. Sure. Um, I, I, I I digress. I'm not a math major. I think it's I think we're reaching a point where we need to have a serious conversation about what's next. And I don't I don't think this is going to be Gundy's last year, but I'm reaching a point where we really need to begin to have serious conversations about the future of the program beyond Mike Gundy. Because this is the, the program is pretty much, I feel like it's just stuck in neutral. 
it, it ha- I feel like it's been stuck in neutral since 2017. And even maybe even before that, honestly, because that was a team that did not meet expectations at all. So I've thought a lot about this conversation since Saturday. We um, don't need to go down a huge rabbit hole on this, but it feels like there's no, at least we'll some save some of this for offseason. I'm not, we're not going into, do I have a list of guys I would look at if they had to find a new coach this year? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not I trying to talk, let's talk about what teams. I would want. No, 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 no. But what, but I, I do want to talk a couple of things. Um, if, if you have a hard time making a decision here, and there are some very hard there – there are a lot of different groups when it comes to the Gundy camp. There's those who are ready to be done with him for all the off-the-field stuff and for have been that way for a while. I have a couple of friends who that way, who are just – they just don't like him. They don't like his antics. A friend of a friend of a friend said something about him, around, like all these other things. Like I, they just don't like him. Okay, so that's, that's one. Um, there's the group that are – Leave my Gundy alone with a sheet over him and crazy hair and a flashlight. And that's, that's fine. That group can be that way as well. I think a lot of them are older fans who lived through such a terrible time that they, 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 they will cling to any sort of success whatsoever. And look, you cannot take away from Gundy the success that he's had. Going to a bowl game every year. Like, go talk to go talk to Kansas fans. Go talk to fans about Texas Tech. A lot of programs, just even in the Big Twelve, that can't say we've been going to a bowl game every year for fifteen years. Oklahoma State's going to a bowl game again this year. Okay, it's gonna happen. Don't know which one, but they're gonna go to one. That's fifteen straight bowl games, right? I'm doing my math right. Yeah, it yeah. sounds about right. Every every year, but it's first year. Ever since, yes. Um, I need to go look. I've been waiting for the year that. Uh, Oh, I hope that's not this year. I'd be really mad if I if I've missed it. I've been waiting for the Gundy has as many bowl appearances in his tenure as Oklahoma State had had without him. It's going to happen at some point. I I, I think. Um, it's going to happen. It might. We might get there. I need to go find. Okay, so let's see. This will be year fifteen. Before that, they had one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 14, 15, Oklahoma State had gone to 16 bowl games in program history before Mike Gundy showed up. They will go to number 15 this year. He has one more bowl game from literally having as many bowl appearances himself than the program did its entire duration before he took over. Okay, you cannot take that away from him you cannot downplay how big that is you cannot that said you have to ask yourself what it is you want to be as a program are you okay with the fact that and people are like well they could win bedlam folks there's enough evidence to the contrary to just go with could could they win bedlam yes could you also win the lottery that is a an, an actual possibility. I mean, I mean, I think that might be folks. more likely than Oklahoma State winning a Bedlam football game. The point, but the point is, if you want to ride that train, an optimism, bless you. I, I wish I had the optimism you have. I've been here too long. Same. Yeah. Um, are you okay with bowl games every year, winning records every season, 
Haven't had a lo- not just bowl games. Haven't had a losing record since year one. Um, having a ten win season every, probably every three to four years now. Because look, it they're five and two. If you had the non-conference games you lost against Oregon State and whatever FCS team they had on the schedule, that's two more. That's two. That's seven and two. We're sitting here at seven and two, looking at a very very realistic chat at a ten win season with three conference games and bowl game to go at seven and two. You have to win three of those. It's a very real possibility. It is. You could have another 10-win season. Okay? They went they won 11 and 12 games in 2010 and 2011. They won 10 games in a row in 15, 16, 17. Oklahoma State had never had three double-digit win seasons before in school history, in straight in a row. Never. I understand 2017 was like four seasons ago. It was. It's a long time. This is the biggest gap between double-digit winning seasons since they got the first one under Gagne back in 2010. Okay. This is what the program is. It's not what it was. It's, and if, look, if you're okay with it, if you're okay with going to a bowl game every year, winning records, but losing, losing to Bedlam, dropping a game you probably shouldn't as well, but being able to beat everybody else, you can beat everybody else in the conference, but Oklahoma, you can. You've been doing it. You've done it. Year in and year out. You could beat Texas. You could beat Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, West Virginia, all of them. You could beat all of them in Oklahoma. You're going to drop a game you shouldn't. You're going to go to a nice bowl game. Um, and that's, that's your life. There's a lot of schools that would love that life, would, would die for that life. That's a good life. And if you're okay with that, then, and Mike Gundy's antics off the field don't bother you, then you're good with Mike Gundy. If that's not good enough for you, then you're done with Mike Gundy. If you don't like the antics on the, off the field, then you're done with Mike Gundy. And all that other stuff doesn't matter. And that's fine. I, I... I say, you bring up this hypothetical. You asked me it off air when we were you know, texting yeah. during, where do you sit on this? I'll put you on the spot here. I believe it was Bobby Bowden, former Florida State coach, who basically had the quote of, um, after about 10 years, a relationship between a school and a head coach sours. And you should probably part ways. Now, of course, that that's different if you're Nick Saban or Dabo and you're winning national championships, competing for national championships on a on a year in year basis. And I mean, literally in national championship games on a regular basis. That's a whole different thing. You can be at school for as long as you want. Everyone's going to be happy. You are. Twenty fourteen, things were bad. If not for that Bedlam win, he might have been fired. Relationships had soured. Things still aren't great. Um, you know, part of Joe Wickline left because the relationship between Gundy and Wickline soured. Relationships sour. You're anywhere for a lot long. It's tough. And I am at the point where I do not want to be unappreciative of going to bowl games. I don't want to be, un- I-, I-, I love going to bowl games every year. I like bowl games. They're fun. I understand people don't like bowl games. that's fine you can hate fun too i love fun i love bowl games um i like going to them i like watching them i like having winning records it's nice um and i'm a person who if you listen to the guys at split zone duo who were part of sp nation for a long time they're very big on programs knowing who you are who are you really i think the perfect example right now is South Carolina looking for a new head coach to letting go of Will Muschamp. 
spending way too much to do so because Steve Spurrier was there for a decade, won 11 games three years in a row, and now South Carolina thinks they should be a team that wins 11 year games a year on a regular basis. They had one, 11, one 10 win season before Steve Spurrier took over. That's the only double-digit win season they'd had in school history until Steve Spurrier, one of the best college football coaches of all time, took over and was there for a decade and had some insanely good recruits, right? And so now South Carolina and the fan base thinks they should be able to do that on a regular basis, ignoring the fact that at the time, Georgia wasn't what it is now. Georgia is a machine now. Florida has flipped it back on and looks ridiculously good. They have to play a cross-conference rivalry game against A&M, and we can laugh at A&M all we want. They shit money. They spend so much because it literally is coming out of every orifice of their body. Oh, and by the way, they have to play a non-conference game against Clemson every year. Clemson then wasn't what Clemson is now. It was just getting started. It wasn't rolling. That's four losses a year probably for South Carolina. They're not going to win 11 games three years in a row again, but they don't understand that as a program and an institution. They don't know who they are. Look at Nebraska. Nebraska still can't figure it out. Michigan still can't figure it out. Texas still thinks they're the decade under Mac Brown, not the history before Mac Brown. I am, if we as a, as a unit, as a fan base, and as a program – can understand what Oklahoma State is. If you're someone who's like, Oklahoma State should be winning 11 games every year and winning the Big 12 all the time and going to the playoff and winning championships, folks, folks, that ain't it. It ain't it. We don't have the athletic department budget for that. Just get over it. If that's what you want, that's great. You should. You, you probably shouldn't be an Oklahoma State fan. I'm just sorry. Um, can Oklahoma State be better than what they have been the last three seasons? I think so. Can Mike Gundy turn things back around and turn them back into the stretch they were from 2010 through 2017? I don't think so. I say all of that. It's a lot of rambling because I'm letting you kind of like behind It's a non-answer is what I'm hearing. I'm not, I'm, let, me, let me finish. I'm saying all this to build up to the point where I am fine if they want to let Mike Gundy go. And if they need to keep him, I will just less that about Oklahoma State football. I don't, I don't like calling for coaches to get fired. I'm fine calling for a mutual parting of ways. I think TCU and, and Gary Patterson should find a way to mutually depart. Because especially when somebody has been in a program for as long as they had and have had the success that they have had, like they can be quote unquote fired but come to a mutual parting of the ways, right? Mm-hmm. You're not just going to flat out come and be like, we have fired Mike Gundy. He had no say in this. We paid him his buyout. He's getting the hell out of town. That's not what's going to happen. It can't happen. It's not, it's not going to happen. It's not realistic. If that's what you think, then there better be a even bigger scandal than an OA shirt. And that, cause that costs him a million dollars a year and it didn't cost him his job. If you told me at the end of the season, that Mike Gundy was going to hang it up. I would be okay with it. I think I have a lot of concerns about next season. I have a lot of concerns, including whether or not they're going to sell season tickets to college, to Oklahoma State football next season. Because after 2017 and after this year, 
I think this is what OSU is. And if you're okay with that, great. And if you're not okay with that, then you're kind of out until they make a change. And as we've seen at programs that have fired coaches after two years, because how could you do this? How could you spend that kind of money to get rid of a guy? Well, it's, it's, it's easy because you come to realization that keeping him actually costs you more money than it would be to fire. So I said, I'm not calling a 12 minute answer long enough for you. Something like that. (laughs) I'm not calling for my gun to get fired, but I fall in line. I watched, you know, I was old enough to know that Mike, that Mac Brown was at Texas a little bit too long. And I think that's a, that's a more recent example, I guess, but it's not, it's not even the, probably the best one. It's just the first one that came to mind that, Things started going south, but they tried to ride it. They rode it too long as Texas was heading downhill and then decided to fire him. You bring in then a guy that had that did nothing for the program in Charlie Strong, and now you have Tom Herman who is not going to turn things around. He, I think Texas is who they is. Who they, they is. They is who they is at this point. Um, I just it, – it's – it's tough because I think Oklahoma state needs a change in, in the program because like you said, Oklahoma state, they are who they are. I think they're an eight, nine win team a year. They're a bowl game, you know, at least, you know, three out of five years, they're eight to nine wins, maybe more if you get a good team. Um, But I'm, and I try not to have unrealistic expectations beyond that. But I also think that it's, Man, it's it's just such a tough situation because I don't like I said I, and I said it before I don't want to have unrealistic unrealistic expectations, but I also know that there could be more there could be more in the tank somewhere I don't know. If you bring someone else in, but who are you going to get that's better than Mike Gundy for Oklahoma State that can okay. elevate the program like Oklahoma like he did at Oklahoma State? So that's the thing. You cannot. You cannot let fear of failure keep you from making a change. I think that that's, uh, that's a fair point. Oklahoma fans were terrified when Bob Stoops was leaving that they were going to suck. Now, they lucked into one of the best offensive minds in the country, um, period, and it's worked out <laughs> far better than anyone could have thought. Now, I'm not saying Oklahoma State's going to go out and hire the next Lincoln Riley, but the point is you can't let the idea that, well, we may suck again, you know, to quote Waterboy, oh, no, we suck again, um, keep you from making a move if it's the right thing for the program. It's not easy to hire a coach. There's a lot of guys that aren't going to work. You are in the Big 12, not in the SEC. You, so it's not like you have to go up against a gauntlet. And I think there are good coaches out there. I think between – I think Mike Holder has a a good enough reputation for making good hires within the program that I can trust him to do so. Okay. He hasn't had to hire a football coach, but, um, and even though I kind of think, and you have talked about this, I kind of wonder if Chad Weiberg would really be the one kind of making the hire, even though he's not the AD yet. Um, mm -hmm -hmm. But there are good, I mean, somebody somebody commented on, I think it was either my Twitter or the 1012 podcast Twitter, like, 
there's not any good candidates. And I'm like, well, that's not true. That's not entirely true. There are, there are good sitting head coaches at G5 schools. Um, they're good coordinators. And uh, I would like to point out a few things. You know, Sam Pittman's doing pretty well at Arkansas. He was an offensive line coach. We can lament LSU's collapse this year because Coach O had to hire Bo Pelini as the DC. But, I mean, Bo Pelini's done a decent job at LSU. Jim Harbaugh, and we can laugh about his thing with Michigan all we want because he, I, there's a lot of comments between Jim Harbaugh and Mike Gundy. Uh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan and Oklahoma, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. But I mean, he wins okay. a lot of football games, and he was a special teams coordinator. I just – I mean, he was a head coach at Santa State. Point is, there are talented guys who are going to win games as head coaches. I'm, you can't let that fear keep you from making a change if you feel it's the right way to do. No, I, I think that's a fair point. And, you know, I, I don't think he's ever going to get fired. I think he's going to leave on his own terms, whether it's a mutual parting of ways or he just hangs it up. There's, there's going to be no fire on his own terms, air quotes. That's why I have air quotes. I, I know you guys fine. can't see I, it, but understand that. Love, love how podcasting is a visual medium. I, I, it's just going to have to be, I, I, I don't know that Mike Gundy is going to look, would it shock me if he walked away at the end of the season? Cause he's just tired. He looks tired. He looks exhausted. And this year has been really, really hard. Could I see that? Sure. Um, can I see him trying to coach through? Because I've always kind of thought, uh, which which little Gundy is coming in as quarterback? It's Gunner. So I've kind of thought for I thought for a while that he might try and coach through Gunner's time in Stillwater, which I really don't. I really dread the day that Mike Gundy names Gunner Gundy as the starting quarterback at Oklahoma State. No nah, man, it's gonna, gonna be it's gonna be Sean Taylor. <laughs> the point is, I'm sorry, Sean Taylor, if you listen or you or your folks listen to this thing. I don't want to get into the quarterback situation and the handling of it, the lack of the fact that they're actually recruiting a quarterback for 2021 because Gunnar doesn't get to count. I don't care what anybody says. Anywho, um, point is we're going to have a recruiting podcast. And, uh, <laughs> that is going That's to be an entire fire. episode. right there. Oh, I will rain fire and brimstone down upon a don't get this glass is actually better than people think. And B it's also really, really, really bad which is a weird thing to say, but at the same time, um, it has to do with positions. Anyways, I don't know how much longer he has. I don't think anybody really does, but it goes back to that. Is it a similar situation of like, he's just kind of scared to retire. He just doesn't want, is he stubborn? Does he really think he has what it takes to turn this program around? Like I, I, I did for a long time. I bought into but everyone gave him crap for corn dog and all this other stuff. And oh, he doesn't have it anymore. I get it. A seven win season that didn't mean anything other than a bowl game, whatever. Uh, you get last season. It's fine. What is all supposed to build to this year? I think that's what's most frustrating is you built to this year. Look, I get 2020. I get offensive linemen getting kicked out or leaving or retiring and injuries and da 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 Go look and I have a I have a spreadsheet with it. Forget who's, you know, because the fact that everybody can come back. Let's be blunt. How many do you actually think will? I, I don't think many, if any. Um, go look at what we have set up for next year. It's not it's not gonna be it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a, a 
a lot of wins. Like it might be another, okay, we have, we're now that we've had 2020, we're building to 2022. That's what we're, we're now building to that now. That's going to be the next, or 2023 is going to be the next, the next, the next shot at a big 12 title. That is not a fun life. No, it's not like I, I would rather have, this <laughs> sounds so dumb. I would rather have a little mystery and unknown than, okay, we're building to 2023 because after we did it this time, I'm not excited for that. I'm not excited to build toward a season. I don't want to spend two years building to a year that's going to be a letdown. And that's kind of how it feels. It's just, it does. Like, it just, I, it, I don't see another 2010 or 2015. You know what I mean? 2010 was out of, like, no one had expectations for Oklahoma State. 10 win season, 11 win season. What? 11 2015, wins? the most inexplicable 10 win season of all time. The team had no business winning 10 win games, but it did. And it's, it's so many other little things. Like, look, Oklahoma State used to be really good on the offensive line. They haven't been since Joe Wickland left. This is a team that used to win it with games. They don't anymore. This is a team that used to do the little things right, the attention to detail. That's what gave them the edge in so many games. That's why they won so many games, so many close games. That's not there anymore. And I think that falls on Gundy. Yeah. And I then- think the lack of attention to detail goes back to – I know he says it's the only thing he's good at, and that may be what he thinks. But again, I'll keep hammering the point. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have the passion to do it to the best of your ability anymore, or just just at all. Like I I said a while ago, this just feels like a program that's stuck in neutral. Uh, They're not getting better. I don't think they're necessarily getting worse either, but when you're stuck in that spot, at some point, you think you got to make a change, right? In some way, I don't know what that change is, but I see a program that's not going to win ten games for a while. But I also see—I don't think think we're seeing a program that's going to bottom out either. Like, I don't think we're going to see a like two to three win Oklahoma State team. Like next year might be rough, but I don't think we're going to see like a horrendous like collapse. At the same time, here's I my, don't want to see either. Here's my thing, and I, I will, I will oh, just to, I let you continue, just to bounce off that. I would, and it's it's hard for guys to do it. It's incredibly difficult. I would rather see Gundy go out with a a season with what nice wins than see like what's happening with TCU under Gary Patterson the last three years where it's just bad. Like I would rather mm-hmm. be at it's it's the program's not going anywhere and winning eight, nine, ten games <laughs> than the program's not going where and winning six and five. Um, continue, please. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Thanks, asshole. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm a bad co-host. I've talked too much tonight. Dude, I've been trying. Uh, you, you let me sit for 48 hours and wait around to podcast. I got I got lots of thoughts in my No, I, I do too. I understand. So let me – let's do this real quick. Let's do a little exercise. Let me – I'm going to read you next year's schedule. I want you to tell me, and let's do this first before we get to that. Okay. Let me read you the names of all the guys who are, whose, whose eligibility, forget COVID, expires this year. Okay. Forget COVID. Forget that they can't come back. They are seniors. This is it. Because I'm not going to assume anyone's coming back until they say they do. Right. That's right. We can't. So let me read these. Names. LD Brown. Landon Wolf, Tylen Wallace, Dylan Stoner, D. Anderson, Tay Martin, 
uh, Dayton Metcalf, Logan Carter, Rice Schneider, Tevin Jenkins, Cameron Murray, Sione SC, Amado Fofana, Calvin Bondage, Eamon Agbang-Bamiga, Devin Harper, Malcolm Rodriguez, Rodarius Williams, and Christian Holmes. Let me also go ahead and just throw in Shuba Hubbard because we should and because he's gone. And he's technically still a junior, but and I have no reason to believe he will, but let's just throw Col- Colby Harvell Peel in there because there's always a junior that leaves early, right? And he absolutely was probably at least a later round draft pick, and that might be enough for him. Those are all the guys gone. Now, knowing all of that, knowing all these guys, which is basically all your wide receivers, um, knowing all those guys are gone. Let me read you next year's schedule. You get Sanders Sanders, you get Sanders back, you get Ellingworth back, and it sounds like I mean it's looking more and more like we might have a quarterback controversy. Your running back room is going to be Desmond Jackson, Dominic Richardson, and whoever they bring in. Uh, you have Josh Sills, and I'm a little worried about the offensive line. Defense should be fine. Trace Ford, Con Clay, healthy. Sean Michael Flanagan, Jason Taylor, Thomas Harper, Jared Bernard, Converse. Trey Sterling. Um, some, Trey Sterling, some young linebackers I kind of think might pop and be good. You've got a nice defensive line. Offensive line, or defensive line, offensive line is going to be young. Who has any ideas? You've got Jelani Woods for another season. So knowing all that, let me read you the schedule for next year. Uh, home games are Missouri State, Tulsa, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, and TCU. So seven home games. Um, your road games are at Boise State, at Iowa State, at Texas, at Texas Tech, and at West Virginia. Realistically, if you had to pick the record now, because barring, and I'm going to say this right now, barring a bunch of seniors saying that they're coming back next year, which I don't think they're going to, I'm going to feel pretty good with my record prediction now that I'll feel in like three months. What would you predict the record for next year? Five and seven. And I'm probably yeah. being generous. I'm at six and six. Um, I am being Oklahoma State doesn't have losing seasons with Mike Gundy, so I'm going to go ahead and stay six and six, right? Because um, I don't think the defense the defense is going to take a hit. I think the defense will still be pretty good because the system's in place and they have some really talented guys there and some really talented guys ready to go. I think the offense might struggle again. Um, but does that get are you excited for that? Are you ex- no. can you can you get excited for next year? Like no. You'll beat Missouri State. You should beat Tulsa. We'll see. Um, Kansas is Kansas. Uh, Baylor at home. Okay. K-State at home. I might make that as a loss. Oklahoma's a loss. I had TCU's at home. I'll give that one a win. So I've got Missouri State, Tulsa, Kansas, Baylor, TCU. Um, I'll give them Texas Tech on the road. That's my six. So that's losses to Boise State, Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia. It's a six and six season. And you'd be like, that's, that's, uh, you should be more optimistic and you should be higher on these young guys. No. I like a lot of the guys on the roster. I just said that. Um, and some people will step up once given the opportunity to do so. Wholeheartedly agree. But it's more realistic to expect another season like 2018 than a season like this year or a season like 2015. I just, is everybody okay with that? Is that what you want? And I said, look, you can get the same thing with a new head coach. You could, you probably would take a step back with a new head coach. I think depending upon what they do yeah, with their staff. You probably would get more of what I, you probably get a four and eight or a five and seven with a new head coach, but you at least maybe begin to start of something new and better, but we don't know that. 
Right. But I would, and I would rather my Gundy go out on a seven and three or eight and two season this year in a, in a trying, ridiculously tough year than a meh five and seven, six and six. Where, where are we going? It's hard to go out on top because you think you can keep doing it, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to go out on top because you think you like I'm still on top. Why would I leave? It's hard to do that. It's the line from from The Dark Knight. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. We're we're hitting the second half of that sentence. Well, I mean, we're in the second half of that sentence with Mike Gundy, between the off field stuff, the on field results the record against Oklahoma, like all of it. So let's, 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 this is, I can't imagine anyone still listening. I based off how just like, bless you if you are. And Eeyore's. Um, but let's, let's, let's look. You have Texas Tech this weekend, right? Uh, a Texas Tech team that's not, they might be the eighth best team. Um, and that's only because Baylor's, Baylor just can't seem to get wins um, more than Baylor's bad. I, I don't think Baylor's as bad as they've been. I think Baylor's just year one for a new head coach and coaching staff. And a, I just think it's just year one, so it's hard for them. I think Texas Tech's bad. Um, but in all reality, I'm worried that the loss to Oklahoma is going to cost them again. Should you beat Texas Tech? Yes. That's the thing. That is my thing for this coming weekend. Do not let the Oklahoma game beat you twice. You can't. You can't. And I don't care about, oh, well, if we got to keep winning because tiebreakers could happen that get us to forget the Big 12 title game. For your own selves, win out. Finish eight and two. Go to an ice ball game, get a nine win season, and know that if you'd have had two other games on the schedule, you could have had an eleven win season. It's pretty good. Nine and two. Let's just say, in a, in a COVID year with ten regular season games and a bowl game, if you can win nine games, I know that's not a Big Twelve title, but folks, that's a nine win season that should have been eleven. Considering right? a turnstile offensive line, no continuity at quarterback. And you managed to win nine games? Are you kidding me? New OC. Like, yeah, that's that's huge. Like, so there is, again, it goes back to, I understand we all want mental titles. There is still a lot of fantastic, like a lot riding on this season to be really good. Or you can have, this could be 2017. Because remember, there's that loss to Kansas State, that stupid fluky loss at home to Kansas State. And then you got the game, bowl game against Virginia Tech and you won, but it was just such a like meh end of the season. Went out. There's four games left on your schedule. Three regular season, one bowl game. What about? That's awesome. I, if you tell me this team goes 9-2 and two in this COVID year, I know it sinks. But that could be really fun. That could be really fun. You could have a really fun bowl game matchup too. Like you could potentially have a nice Alamo Bowl. Well, you're probably going to have the Alamo Bowl. Cheese Bowl, North Carolina or Miami. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that. So looking at the rest of the schedule – They've got Texas Tech. You cannot let Texas, you cannot let this OU loss beat you twice. And I bring that up specifically because, <clears throat> as I tweeted, uh, TCU, Texas Tech is 9 and 15 the last two years, but 2 and 0 against Oklahoma State. And they haven't been close. 
41 17 in 2018, 45 35 last year. You have no business losing to Texas Tech again. Don't let Oklahoma beat you twice. 11 a.m. kickoff, shake the rest off, come out angry and hungry and go, we just lost Bedlam. We're not sad. We're mad. We're going to take it out on Texas Tech. Love it. And you go to TCU, who is, I know TCU is known for defense, but they're not even very good on defense this year. Um, you should win that. And then you get Baylor. You literally get three teams in the back half of the, of the conference to finish up there. You have the teams currently at seventh, eighth, and ninth left on the schedule. Don't blow that. Don't. don't and, and don't play Kremmy. Yeah. Just go in. Do I think they're going to drop a game? Yes. I'm also a pessimistic asshole. Do I think it would probably be Baylor in the regular season finale on the 12th? Yeah, because like I said, Baylor's not as bad as their record is if you've actually watched them. They're not good, and they can't close out games to save their lives. But that's the kind of team that last game of the season, they got nothing to lose at home. They pull off a win over like Oklahoma State just for funsies for them. I want... OSU went out, eight and two in the regular season. Go to a bowl game, face a good opponent, get a big win. Who wouldn't love to beat Mac Brown in North Carolina in the Cheez It Bowl? I know it's the Cheez It Bowl in Orlando. I don't care. Get a nine win season. There's a nine win season in a COVID year with just 11 games on the schedule in front of you. Take that shit and run with it. Care about that and run with it because I do. I do. It's yeah. fun. No, I'm with you on that. Going to bowl games matters, whether you whether you're six and six or you're ten and two, it matters. Some of the most fun I've had at bowl games were <laughs> the crappiest. But I was at the OSU Missouri game in 2018 in the Liberty Bowl. That game was fun. That game was fun. Into that game, crazy. Oh, that game was fun. I was at the. Uh, was it called the Heart of Dallas Bowl against Purdue after the 20 Beat the living crap out of Purdue in that game. The 2012 season. Oh, OSU yep. and Purdue, neither one had any business being in that bowl game. Like, OSU thought they were going to get a better goal and then got passed up by everyone and fell all the way to, like, the last place bowl and had no business being in the last place bowl. Against the Purdue team, that was, like, their only bowl game appearance in, like, a decade. They had no business being in a bowl game, period. It was cold and gross on January 1st and Grizzly, and I got hammered, and it was great fun. The bowl game was the game was dumb. I don't care. Bowl games are fun. I love bowl games. I love winning bowl games. Go 8-2 yeah. to win a bowl game. My, my only hesitancy, and I think this is just me being a cynical asshole too, is I saw Mike Gundy talk about the players are really down, and so are coaches right now. They better figure that out quick. Um. That's a problem. I know it's Monday, um, but if you can't get your team short-term memory, let's go. That, you know, 48 hours after a game, like that concerns me that they're going to play really flat. I think they can still play flat and beat Texas Tech because Texas Tech is not that good, but it'll be an, it would be an ugly, disgusting 20 to 17 type of game. If they do that, I I hope they can come out fiery and put it on tech and put people back on notice that Oklahoma State's still good, and they're not what they showed on national TV, 41-13. to 13. But it is concerning that that's still how they feel at this point. Uh, that needs to I mean, change very fast. They're coaching staff. And if they failed them and, once, don't fail them again. 
and and that's the thing. If Oklahoma State comes out flat and they lose to Texas Tech in some fashion, like you cannot lose to Texas Tech. They are not good. You lose to Texas Tech, the coaching staff failed them again, and it's another notch in me thinking we need to make a change. It's It just continues to further that argument. And I don't want to have to do that because, my God, our, well, at least our offseason will be interesting. But we we can't have that. You, you cannot lose to Texas Tech three years in a row, especially when they are very, very bad. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think you cheese it. I think cheese it bowls your ceiling, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, you you still get to play a decent ACC team in that game. Like I said, give me, give me North, North Carolina would be kind of fun just because we get to play like see our defense against Sam Howell, see what they can do there. That would be interesting. Derek King, Miami, like that would be a fun challenge for a really good defense. Primarily because I don't need to follow the the uh, the Texas Bowl and have to play Arkansas um, because I don't want to lose a bowl game in Arkansas. And I don't want to deal with. I'm not mentally and emotionally prepared to face the fan, the school that my family roots for. Oh no! In a bowl game in 2020, I don't really need that. I'm fine with the games on the schedule in the future. I'm not mentally or emotionally prepared for that this year. So let's just play North Carolina, the cheesy bowl. So don't screw up, please. Well, Phil, let's have a little bit of optimism. Have a little happiness in the back half of this podcast. Or uh, the back, back half. The tail end. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I, I yeah, the, this is this is the back nine, but we're really like on the fifteenth hole at this point. Anyways, uh, let's talk some basketball on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it is Cade Cunningham week. We get to see them play UT Arlington on Wednesday and the Texas Southern on Saturday. We have been so excited for basketball season for this season since. Last November, when Cade Cunningham decided to commit to Oklahoma State, we finally get to mm-hmm. see him in a uniform against another opponent. This is going to be fun. In, in some capacity, this is going to be a really fun year. And if Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, to prove on the national stage that they are here, they have arrived, they are not just – it's not all preseason talk. Yeah, look, um, I'm pumped. I'm just pumped to see this team. I just want to see them play. I want to see them grow and develop. I want to see how good they can be. Like it's not a the non conference schedule is fine. It's COVID year. Like putting together a non conference schedule this year was a, a a miracle for most of you. You're already seeing games getting canceled for for Wednesday. So just fingers crossed that we get to play all the games on the schedule. That's all I hope for. Right. Uh, UT Arlington, not bad. There's not a bad bad Sun Belt team. Um, Big third to finish the West. They've got some nice players coming back. OSU's low and one all time against them. It's a nice, it's a nice road opener. Boynton loves to do these like three game series with teams where they go on the road to UT Erling. I need to go back and look at all the ones. They do this about every year. They go to some team like a UT Erling or some team or a Charlotte or some team somewhere. You're like, why are you going on the road there? Because Boynton likes to challenge his team, and these are nice challenges. It's it's a weird challenge to go on the road to a team like this, right? And I love it. I think it's fun. Plus, you know, for for Cade, grew up and around Arlington. And, uh, and Isaac. Like his backyard. Yeah, and Isaac. grew up in their backyard. Uh, then you get to open your home schedule. They tried to find the game here. You're getting Texas Southern. I know it's a SWAC team. This is a team that wins the conference fairly often. They're the preseason favorite. That doesn't mean anything. SWAC teams that win are typically a 16 seed in the playoff in the NCAA championship every year. But it's still a – like, that's nice. It's good. That's a good game. Um, It's also 
little weird because Michael Weathers is on. Oh, I forgot Texas about Island. that. Yeah, they also have uh, George, Georgetown transferred Galen Alexander, who OSU faced last year, doing a non-conference schedule prep work. So uh, there's some fun facts for you. Um, it's a nice, it's a nice isn't little opening. Like, well, uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to belabor a point here, but isn't this like the third school that Michael Weathers has been at since he got dismissed from Oklahoma State? No, 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 no. It's just his third school total because he started at Miami of Ohio. Uh, then he came to OSU. And then I think this is just where he ended up. Was Wasn't he at like Nichols State for like two months and then transferred again? He might have been. I don't. I th- yeah, he was. Like I haven't followed his career school. that closely for a while. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there was some other school in there. I think it was a school like Nichols or something like that that uh, that he was at for a little bit, never actually played, and then went to Texas Southern. Either way, that's going to be really interesting. Okay. Um, Remember when he was the point guard of the future? He committed. He committed to Nichols State. I don't know that he ever actually went to Nichols State. Uh, he never okay. played That's what it with them. That's what it was. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just he remember when he was the point guard of the future. Stuck. Idiot. Anyways. Um, he was going to be a stud. Was being the opposite so of work. It's a good, it's a, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for this game. Uh, look, I love college basketball, but I'm more of like a fanboy of college basketball than like a, let me sit here and break it down. So we'll talk about it. I love talking about it. I'm just not, it's, yeah, I love it. I love this nerdy Ken Palm and net ranking stuff. Uh, you scheduling nerd, you. I am a giant scheduling nerd. Just leave me be. I have my niches. Um, road game at Marquette. That's a, it's a nice opportunity. I wish Marcus Howard was still there, but he is gone. Um, they got a couple of transfers that are going to be interesting there. Uh, so that's a nice, the Big 12, Big East. It's not the challenge, it's the battle or something. I don't, I don't either, either way. That's going to be a home really game, game against Oakland, uh, home game against ORU. A couple of okay, Oakland picked sixth in the Horizon preseason poll, ORU picked second in the summit. Always like beating ORU, especially after they get rid of, uh, of Sutton because screw them. Uh, road game at Wichita State, which has lost a lot of its luster since Greg Marshall, that asshole, is gone now. Uh, and then, of course, you get your Arkansas game uh, down in January, which I'm very excited for. By the way, I'm going to throw this out there now. Um, I need to go to one game this year. Um, I would like to go to the Arkansas game. I understand that season tickets are sold out and that they will have individual game tickets available at some point. If anybody has two tickets for that Arkansas game and would like to sell them to me, I'm going to just keep dropping this on every pod because I need myself two tickets for the OSU-Arkansas game. If I'm going to only get to go to one, I should probably go to a conference game. But I really want to go to that game because I have a buddy, since I live in Arkansas, who's an Arkansas fan who would like to go with me. So I would like tickets for that. So if anybody has a couple or knows how I can get two tickets, uh, OKTXARPOKE, my DMs are open. Uh, my DMs are open to at JT Penfield. If you have any extra tickets, I'd love to go watch Kate Cunningham in person at least once, please. Hey, please, and thank you. Um, let's let's talk about the roster a little bit for Oklahoma State this year. Let's who is your player to watch? Let's take out Isaac Likely and Kate Cunningham because we know they're the be- they're the most impactful players to this roster at this point. Who are some players to watch for you besides those two guys that you're excited about? Besides Kate Cunningham, I. No shit. Of course we know that he's going to be really freaking oh. good. Uh, besides Isaac Likely? <sighs> yes. Yes. Um, I'm just pumped for the fact that uh, 
I don't know. Uh, Boynton mentioned that uh, some five guard lineups will happen this season, and that uh, Cade could potentially play the five. <laughs> be still, my heart. Wouldn't that be fun? Um, I am really the, the projected top of starting five, as I saw, were uh, Cunningham, Boynton, or Cunningham, likely Flavors, and the Boone twins. I'm really interested in seeing the development of the Boone twins this year. There's a lot of talented freshmen coming in. Um, obviously Isaac likely, obviously Cade. Um, I'm really excited to see what the Boone twins look like. Um, uh, they were, those were the first two like big gets for, for Boynton really like if from the recruiting, like not just like transfers, Michael Weathers and stuff to all of them, but the Boone twins were the first like, yeah, like, all right, we're, we're feeling real good here. Like names people were super excited for coming in. I'm really intrigued by how they look this year and, and, and their continued projection or their continued like growth and development. Like I, I'm, I'm very excited to see how they do. They had some really big moments last season. They had their freshman moments, but I'm, I'm pumped for them. Yeah, my, my guy's fair in flavors. Uh, I've, he's, he, he's projected into the starting lineup and he's 31 flavors. Like that's, that's pretty freaking cool. Like that's, that's funny. I can at least appreciate that he can, he can be a part of that, the meme there, that a little bit, but as far as we know, like, I mean, for him to be projected in the starting lineup right away with all the other talent on this team, even though he's a, a senior transfer, like that says a lot about what he can be as a knockdown shooter, as a two guard. Uh, that's going to be big to open up the floor for Isaac Likely and for Kate Cunningham, who can shoot, but their ability to get to the rim is what that's what they're really great at. And I think we'll see a lot of two-man game with Likely and Cunningham, just pick and roll, go to the rim. Uh, <laughs> and there being 6'6 six, six and 6'4 six, guys that can handle the ball uh, is going to be a lot of fun to watch. But when you have a guy like that on the outside, you have to pay attention to. If he can be a knockdown shooter this year, it's going to be huge for this team. We've seen grad transfers come in in the past, like Jonathan Laurent, uh, you know, who down the stretch played well, but it took him a while to really get going for Oklahoma State. Uh, Kendall Smith had a fantastic impact on this team as a point guard. If he can have that type of impact, I'm not expecting a huge, like, all-conference type season from Fair and Flavors, but if he can have the type of leadership role combined with enough production to be effective for this team, like Kendall Smith had uh, for that 2017-18 team uh, in Boynton's first year, that that's going to be really, really huge for this team. And then Matthew Alexander Moncrief. I feel like he, he was a Canadian national player of the year. He is really, really talented, but I mean, it's so hard for the, I feel, I feel kind of bad for this freshman class because they're really good. There are a lot of really talented pieces on this team. It's, but obviously you're going to, you're going to get lost in the shuffle when you have a guy like Kate Cunningham, especially when you're not like a Kansas or Kentucky that has multiple five-star, you know, Gatorade player of the year and whatever. Yeah. But the look, the few clips I've seen of him, he's a really raw, I mean, he, I'm going to sound like I'm talking about a Thunder first round draft pick, but he's a super raw, ridiculous athlete with some crazy bounce. I saw like he, he took a, uh, an outlet pass from Cade coming down the, the court on, on the offensive side of half court. He takes one dribble from the three-point line, two, like two steps, and a, a dunk where his elbow was up to the rim. Like, he's going to make some really crazy splash plays. And there's a, he may be a two, two-year guy, but my goodness, he, I mean, that's the type of freak athlete that's going to make some ridiculous plays for this team. And his length and ability at, at his position 
to be able to guard guard three play like almost like a three or four you know stretch four kind of and defend and play and the his offense ability on the other side uh, i'm excited the other guy i'm really interested in seeing you know they, they need shooters shooting was a problem last year and i think one of the reasons that Farron Flavors is getting a starting spot is he has proven that he can shoot. You need a shooter to pair with Kate Cunningham. Likely is not a shooter as much as a slasher. The Boone Twins, you need a shooter. The guy really interested to see how well his shot develops is Avery Anderson. He had some really nice games. Um, it's a really nice shooting games. You know, six of 10 against Minnesota last year. Uh, five and nine against Iowa State. So he had some good games, and then he had games where he was just bad. But it was he's a true freshman. Like, what, what do you expect here? Um, he's the guy I really want to see if he can develop his shot. If his shot can continue to grow, I think that's big. But they need a shooter. I don't know who that's going to be, but someone who's going to be able to sit back there and jack up threes. Like, they need that. They haven't had that. I don't know who that's going to be. Chris Harris likes to shoot threes. Chris Harris can't shoot threes. Um, maybe he will this year. Maybe he'll find his shot. I don't know, but somebody has to be able to because Dizzy's gone, Lindy is gone. Who's going to be that guy who can hit those shots? I think that's part of what they brought Brian Williams in for him from oh, from I this. Br- yeah, or Bryce Williams. Right? Bryce Williams. Yeah, Bryce Williams. Um, haven't heard much about him, so I'll be interested to see how he does. Um, he's supposed to be a shooter, right? So I was have to see. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, but they I, need somebody to shots. And I think the thing with Avery Anderson too is being able to be a, a point, a, you know, a core general off the bench too. You know, he he showed some promise as a as a bench point guard last year. Uh, his his handles are ridiculous. He's he sometimes goes way too fast for his own good, but he's just that kind of twitchy sort of you know, you know, six foot six foot one point guard. Uh, but he defends the ball really well too. He plays Oklahoma State basketball on the defensive side. And so that's, you know, that's really fun to watch. So he takes charges, he dives on the floor. Like he does all the things that you want in Boynton's program at Oklahoma State in general. You know, a guy like Rondell Walker too, who I think can develop into that kind of outside shooter as well. Uh, how much run he gets, we'll see. I, I'm curious what the rotation is going to look like because I believe right now the, the projected starting five is the Boone Twins, Cade, Isaac, and Farron Flavors. Outside of that, we don't know what the sixth man is going to look like, seventh man. But with the guys you have right now in Bryce Williams, you have Avery Anderson, Chris Harris, Ronald Walker, and then a Bernard Kuma or somebody else. But you have a legit at least eight, if not nine, that you can go to at any given point. Uh, whether they're freshmen, they, they may be young, but at least they're talented enough. You can put them on the floor and it's not going to be a liability. We've seen that before where Oklahoma State's had to go eight, nine deep, and they've thrown guys on the floor that have no business being there. You have you have at least nine guys that you can go to that are going to be productive on the floor, and we haven't had that in a young Open State team in a while. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, and all this goes along with my football point about tempering expectations. Yes, we have Kate Cunningham. Yes, mm-hmm. you are bringing back the Boone Twins and Isaac Likely. Mm-hmm. This team is not going to win the Big Twelve. Baylor is stupid good. Texas Tech is going to be really good. Kansas. Mm-hmm. No shit. It's Kansas. It's Kansas. But this is the team that's going to finish in the top half of the conference, is going to at least compete for maybe third place, depending on how things fall during the season, and is going to be a tournament team. That it Just set the goal to be a tournament team, and if you finish in the top half of the Big 12, you're going to be a top eight seed in the, Big 12, in the NCAA tournament. 
And you put this team that the couple of years that they had the opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament in Boynton's first year and last year toward the end where they were at least fighting for that, you know, that's a team that gets hot at the right time in March. That's all the we that's and that's a lot of what getting to the NCAA tournament and going far in the NCAA tournament is about. It's not about how good you are in November. It's how good you are in February and March. And Boynton gets his teams ready to go. And even that bad team when I was a senior in about 18, 19, like they played some of their best basketball at the end of the year. Uh, may I counter your it doesn't matter what you do in November, it matters. No, okay, I, I may have I may have downplayed that a little bit, but playing your best ball in February and March matters more than playing your best basketball in November. Trey Young, Oklahoma. Fair, fair, okay. In fact, if I may make a point, um, I have bus- uh, Brian Ralph of Busting Brackets on my – not Busting Brackets anymore, sorry. He checked college basketball. Uh, and I open Ralph Pod on my show a lot, talk with him a lot about college hoops a lot. Um, and his big point, and I've heard other people do this, your hope for a postseason berth for Oklahoma State, since they have a postseason ban, Alabama doesn't, but bullshit, whatever. Um, the hope is that the appeal takes too long and they don't get to it this year, and maybe the, either the ban is pushed off for a year or they finally just decide not to do it or to rescind that punishment for Oklahoma State. Um, one way to help force their hand there is if Cade Cunningham is so good – that you can't keep him out. And I always think to Trey Young at Oklahoma. Honor everybody. I mean, literally, oh, oh, ESPN would spend hours of, of their day talking about Trey Young. And Oklahoma couldn't win a game after January. Like, just were losing left and right. Oklahoma beat them. Oklahoma State beat them twice. I mean, by the way, Trey Young. Game day guest picker. I went one and one against Oklahoma State. No, you, you went, went one and one in the regular season. You went one and two against Oklahoma State. Nice memory there, bud. Good rewrite of history. Oh, you had no business being in the tournament over Oklahoma State that season because Oklahoma State was far better at the end of the year than Oklahoma was. But Oklahoma had Trey Young. And the NCAA tournament was not going to keep Trey Young out. And they can say that doesn't matter, but this is a business. It it's a TV show. Of course it matters. We're not stupid. Don't lie to us. If Cade Cunningham is Trey Young, and by that I mean can't miss everyone's talking about him, do you really think the NCAA tournament's going to be like, you know what, we're upholding this ban and we're keeping that kid out of here? No. No, they won't. So even if OSU finishes – fifth in the sixth in the big 12 and has a good season. If he is the best player in the country or one of the five best players in the country and someone that people want to tune in to watch, that's what you hope for. Now they can't stink. They can't go, you know, in a, in a what is the schedule now? So you play 18 conference games plus seven non-conference games. I'm not good at math. And that's 25 games. If they go, eight and whatever yeah you're not getting in but if you are at least a few games over 500 have a nice showing in the big 12 play knock off maybe a baylor or kansas and kate is one of the best players in the country that's what you hope for that's what you need yeah that's a fair point i i didn't even i 
honestly, because I think the NCAA ban is such bullshit. I think I just kind of blanked it from my memory for some reason, um, which, you know, we all should, honestly. I mean, if Alabama's going to get off scot-free, eh. basically. Yeah. Just don't comply with the NCAA, man. Uh, that's the number one rule of this podcast, I guess. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fun year. We get to watch the number one player in the country, put on Don the Orange and Black. It's going to be it's going to be a good time, and we'll talk about it even more. Uh, but we've been going for about an hour and 15 minutes at this point. Uh, thank you to those of you that listened to us ramble through uh, the first part of this episode. If you made it through, God bless you. We appreciate you guys, anybody that listens to this this thing that we do. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, Philip. And oh, you as well, sir. Enjoy your holiday. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. are you are you just staying home, or you know you got uh, family coming over, or anything like that? Nah, we stay at home. We will there see some family, but it won't be a big shindig. Yeah, ours won't be either. But I get to I get to go up and see my folks. My dad gets to meet uh, his grandson for the first time on Saturday. Oh, very nice. Uh, on, very nice. On Wednesday, so he is. Uh, he's very. Pops is, is really excited to meet EJ, so that's uh, that's going to be a really fun time for me. Uh, but hope you all uh, that are listening have a happy and safe Thanksgiving and holiday weekend. And uh, we will talk to you all next week after a couple of Oklahoma State basketball games and Texas Tech. Uh, we'll have recaps of all of those in subcapacity, maybe a guest. I don't know what will happen next week, but we will talk to you all then. Have a happy Thanksgiving, folks.